0: with Havila, and today we continue our author series. We've gotten such good feedback from a lot of you about enjoying this series on how to be an author, what to write, how to get published, all the questions that you guys have sent our way. And I know last week we had an incredible um, response from Lisa Turkhurst, and she's obviously a brilliant communicator. If you missed that, please go back and listen to Lisa. She, I mean, just to have her on the podcast is such a big deal and um, look up her books. Um, I always have one of her books on my nightstand and she's just an incredible communicator. And that's kind of the lineup that we have on this podcast series, which is really an honor. And when we were putting this podcast series together, we start talking about new authors, seasoned authors, but we also start talking about friends of ours that are in the publishing industry that understand uh, what it's like to receive a book, what they're looking for, but also just what they're looking for in today's influencer. And Larry Sparks was one of the first names that came up in our conversation. And if you don't know who Larry is, Larry actually, uh, I want to say you run do you run oh. your publishing house? Would, I, would oh, that be fair
1: goodness. to say? Well, <laughs> no. so we have our, our CEO. His name is Don Norai Jr. Don Sr. was a prophet who started Destiny Image Publishing House in 1983. And I work with Don Jr. He is the CEO. Praise God. He knows all the business acumen and stuff. <laughs> and I, I am the publisher. So I find new authors, develop uh, content with existing authors. And that's kind of my assignment there.
0: I love it so much. Now, Larry, why don't you just kind of introduce yourself? I know that's your work life. What's your personal life? Where do you live? Where are you based out of? And then how did you get into publishing?
1: Okay, well, we live in Texas. Uh, We lived in Florida. I, I lived in South Florida for 25 years, so you have to be called of God to move to Texas. No offense to people who live in Texas. We've I, I've come to love it. But uh, my wife is the vice president for Lance Walnow's ministry. Ooh, so Lance mm-hmm. is down here in the Texas area. We love Lance, and God's using him in a powerful way right now. So we're really aligned down here. Um, I have a daughter who's ten. Just started school again. Um, oh yes. And uh, we yeah. So it's one of those things where I'm sure there's a collective hallelujah from parents. We we love our children, but. You know they they get uh they get cooped up. So she's thrilled to be back with actual other children besides mom and dad. Um, oh,
0: totally! I always say I love my kids, but not that much. Like well, I reach I, my limit of what I can <laughs> handle on a regular
1: basis. Exactly. It's like there's only so much I can play. And what a life! Where the parents are said, so there's only so much I can play and go in the pool and that type yes. of thing. Yes, yes. Um, but uh, no, we're we're very grateful to do what we do. Again, my my wife is brilliant in uh, business. She's a wonderful entrepreneur and my world is ministry, uh, traveling and speaking, and publishing books for Destiny Image. I've done that nearly nine, 10 years now, so it's been fun.
0: That's incredible, so you live in Texas, and how did you get into publishing? What, what did, I mean, how long have you been in it, and then when did you take the role that you're in right now?
1: I'll give you the very, very Christian-y spiritual answer. It was the <laughs> okay. Lord. It, re- it actually <laughs> really was, and this might encourage somebody. I was working in publishing to, to kind of give the Reader's Digest version of 2008 to 2012. I worked for a wonderful ministry uh, called the Adrian Rogers Pastor Training Institute. Dr. Rogers was a notable Southern Baptist leader, and I helped his son develop curriculum. Um, he had passed away, so we took a lot of his leadership training curriculum, and we turned it into a pastor training resource that they would take overseas to India and Africa to pastors who couldn't afford training or going to seminary, and they would do free conferences for them. So I did that for about four years. I got my feet wet in publishing, but my world has always been um, what we'd call the spirit-empowered community. Old days, charismatic, Pentecostal. I think we're using spirit-empowered these days, but that really is my heart I, uh, a lot of the books that have really discipled me spiritually. Now I I love solid theology. I went to, uh, to uh, where did I go? Regent University. I got my master <laughs> of divinity there. So yes, I believe yes. in solid theology. I don't want us to get wacky or wonky with that because we experience God to the degree that we have solid theology. Um, However, um, one of the things that motivated me spiritually were the books over the years from Destiny Image. Destiny Image was the first to publish Bishop T.D. Jakes. Uh, Don Norai, who started Destiny Image, and as I said, 1983, met him up in the, I think it was like the Poconos Mountains or whatever. He was doing a little women's seminar called Woman, Thou Art Loosed. And Don talked with Bishop Jakes, and thus Woman, Thou Art Loosed was born. Which is uh, like
0: book, Bible, the whole thing. I, I had that on my bookcase years ago.
1: Oh yes, so that, that, and that's what I've <laughs> always loved about the DNA of destiny image. Long before I even thought about working there is this ability to find messages that often were a little bit before their time that had that prophetic edge. I think of Tommy Tenney's The God Chasers that just wrecked yep. people. Uh, Bill Johnson's When Heaven Invades Earth. A lot of the people, when their books first came out, nobody really knew who they were, but praise God. Um, literally, God would breathe on some of these books and then you would have not only ministries, but you'd have movements. Birth. So yeah, end of my tenure at Pastor Training Institute, I literally felt an inclination that I almost brushed off. I really felt the Holy Spirit tell me, Larry, reach out to Destiny Image and just let them know what you guys are doing with developing discipleship curriculum, almost recommending that that would be a good idea for the charismatic space. That That's kind of it. So I almost wow. totally brushed it off, almost totally ignored it. Uh, there was no, you know, you know, I had to ultimately reach out to that nebulous contact us part on a website where you never know if somebody's going to contact you back. But it's like throwing something into the void. So I said, you know what? <laughs> I really, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't shake that nudge from the Holy Spirit. And as you're listening, I encourage you: if you have some sort of nudge from God, and you, it's like, you know, it's you're tempted to brush it off. Really pray about it. Really consider it. It might be something that's leading you into your destiny. Um, and I I am not, I am not over exaggerating. I reached out, was tempted not to reached out, just emailed and with it to make a long story short within two months, they hired me, they flew me up, they evaluated me and they said, listen, Larry, what you do at destiny, uh, what you do for the past training Institute, um, we are literally looking to do that with some of our authors and develop curriculum and uh, training resources and that type of thing. So this seems to be a real God thing, um, just from for me stepping out and sending a little email to that Contact Us page on, on the Destiny Image website. And goodness, yeah, that was all those years ago. And now I have the privilege of serving as publisher where I have to pinch myself regularly because I get to um, spend a good <laughs> amount of time working with so many of the authors and the leaders who have poured into my life, poured into your life, Havilah, and really have mm-hmm. helped shape the contemporary expression of spirit-filled Christianity. So, I'm I'm beyond honored to do what I get to do. That's a little bit of the story there. That's
0: incredible. And I love it. It's so true. I often think about life. If it wasn't for this little thing that I reached out or I took a risk, it opened up the whole world to me. And, you know, like you're saying, I think even writing books and publishing and anyway, travel, speaking, all the things, It really is that moment where you feel God nudging you and you have to respond at that moment. Um, You know, I think God is big enough to make all things work out. So it's not that we are somehow in charge of our divine destiny, but I think that we can definitely delay the promise, which is very biblical. We can delay the, the promise because we're not following through with the things he's asking us to. So I just love that idea that you, you know, decided to respond to destiny image and reach out. And I just love that. I know you are so loved by many of our community here at Bethel and you've published a lot of uh, different communicators and really launched them. I'm curious, uh, what are your favorite types of work to publish and what are the things that really grab your attention?
1: Oh goodness. I don't know if I've had anybody really ask me that question (laughs) in recent recent days or years. Here's what I love. Okay. My favorite things to publish. Now it's a little bit of uh, 100% one side, 100% on the other. I know that's not really fair. It's really like asking you to have a little, what's, what, what kid is your favorite? Um, mm-hmm. But I will say this, it is an honor and it is a privilege to work with the generals and the fathers of the faith, you know, like Bill Johnson, Chris Valentin, John and Carol Arnett, uh, Dr. Michael Brown, Randy Clark. So that is a joy because I've seen how these people measurably have not only shaped Christianity, but I mean, you know, as well as I do, because we've been in closed rooms with these people, we we get to know them maybe a little bit more than other people. They're the real deal. I mean, These people are wow. people who have never graduated from their hunger for God. And I love that. Um, so that's what I love. But I would say, oh, it's, it's hard. I would say I love just as much finding an author that nobody really knows, um, yeah. finding somebody that the spirit of God is really breathing on. And it really demands so much discernment from our team. There are authors, and I'll, I'm going to use a case study just because this is my friend. This is somebody yeah. that the Lord has breathed on. And this is somebody who operates in both purity and power. Her name is Anna Werner. Highly recommend all of her books. Um, wow. She's a book called The Seer's Path, Seeing Behind the Veil. She is yeah. a legit prophetic seer, moves in healing, deliverance. But what I love, uh, what I love about her is... She's, she's married. She's got two kids. She's very normal. Okay, please don't be scared by somebody like her. She's very normal, but she operates in this stuff with great authenticity, great measurable results. But when we first found her, she had sent her manuscript to the, we have a desk, we're, I think we of the only publishing houses that accept unsolicited manuscripts. So you can go to our website, um, and, and I recommend this. You can go to our website, And you can fill out the book proposal and you can submit your manuscript there. Now, the key is knowing what we publish, we get some very interesting submissions. I'll just (laughs) say that I won't even actually name some of the titles or book concepts we've gotten. And I just think in myself, because we have very specific guidelines. And with our content, I'm going to circle back to Anna, but I do want to encourage people when it comes to publishing and writing, because everybody wants to get published. Everybody wants to write. I remember you and I have a list sitting down and talking about publishing when your first book came out. I'm so grateful you did what you did with Stronger Than the Struggle. You were working with amazing folks at Thomas Nelson. Here's the deal, folks. I I really wanna let those who are interested in writing publishing know, um, not every publishing house is the ideal fit for your book or the partner partner for you. Why? Because for Destiny Image, we specialize in the prophetic, in the supernatural, in revival, the gifts of the spirit, that type of thing. So obviously we're not publishing somebody like one of your previous guests, Lisa We're We're not publishing people like that. I love them, but that's not our assignment in the same way that other publishing houses don't have the assignment that we do. So I right. would say this research the different publishing companies and find the one that publishes books that seem like they are in line with the assignment, with the content, with the message. I'll get very marketing, with the branding, with the language that God has given you. And then it will be an ideal match. Cause you know, have a it's not just okay, I'm gonna worked with the publisher. They're going to release my book. I'm going to make a bazillion dollars and go move to Tahiti somewhere and re- retire on <laughs> the royalties. I mean, that's, that's, that's a very oversimplified way of looking at it. But um, you know, you're looking at a publisher who's going to be a partner for you and do whatever they can to advocate for that message. So wh- what happened with Anna is she submitted her manuscript um, yeah. to, to our manuscripts page. We reviewed it. I think at one point it got rejected. And then somehow it came across my desk. We had somebody working for Destiny Image at the time. They they presented it to us. And I said, this is perfect. This is fantastic. But here's the encouraging word. Again, for those of you who are aspiring authors and writers, you'd love to get published. When I first got Anna's book, she had literally no platform to speak of. Even with the potential endorsers, she didn't have any high level endorsers or endorsements. There was no big name to attach to her book. What she had, what I could tell, was excellent content that fit who we were. And that's great, but that's not it. I've seen people with great content, but they don't have the next thing. And the next thing is reputability. Um, She came, you know what? She didn't come recommended by TD Jakes or Bill Johnson or Patricia King. Praise God, people like Patricia and James Gall and many other leaders have now become mentors and influencers in her life, which is a beautiful story. But at the time, there was none of those people. But what she had were pastoral leaders, people in her life who could actually speak positively about her. I'm more interested in that. Than somebody who claims to have, you know, I've got John Maxwell's phone number. Well, does John Maxwell number one know you have their phone number? And <laughs> does he right. actually know who you are? Like that is a big deal. I'm, we need a hundred percent the right content, but also I want a hundred percent, at least to the best of my my discernment, to my knowledge, I want to know that this person is a reputable individual. They come recommended and endorsed by somebody who can speak to their life, to their family, to their marriage, and ultimately to their message. And that's what happened since then. She's That's done incredible. three books. Her ministry has exploded. God has breathed on her. She's had um, wonderful media visibility all over the place. But it's one of those things where, again, 100% the right content, also mm-hmm. recognizing the publisher that would be the best partner for you. But at the end of the day, if you don't ultimately have the goods, and the goods is integrity, the goods is walking in uprightness and righteousness, the, the, those are the goods. If you don't have that, even if you do get published, I don't know how long a spotlight can stay on you because that won't sustain under the weight of influence. That won't sustain under the weight of advancement. So anyway, that's probably more than you bargained for. Uh, No, I love it. Great I think we're
0: witnessing that, that there are people that have become authors in a spotlight and their lives are somewhat uh, challenged because the spotlight only amplifies what's really happening it doesn't solve it it doesn't heal it and i think sometimes we think the spotlight's going to heal something but what it simply does Mm -hmm. is it's like putting on a bathing suit in a dressing room (laughs) you only see the bad stuff (laughs) so i i I think too um i think that sometimes it's someone's time so what you're really saying is is It's okay to be on the other side of the field taking care of sheep when it's time to fight Goliath. You'll have everything you need to do that. Um, But, but that's what you were able to see. And I think, I mean, you and I, and this is just probably more honest than I should be, but who cares about the endorsements? I don't think any of my endorsements sold my books. And I'm not trying to be rude. I just, I think there's this kind of perception that if I have these 15 people that are endorsing me and post about my book, then I'll somehow make a list or I'll, I'll build. And I, I just don't think that's true. I think it's, it's inundated. I think a lot of that is already almost, it's so, um, saturated that it's just a lot of the influencers get 10, 15, 20 books a month that they're supposed to talk about. And their audience goes, yeah, I like it, but you got to build your own community and you got to first build your own message. And you know, if she had just had influencers, but she didn't have a message, a core message, you know, she didn't have just one book in her. She had multiple books inside of her because she had produced and published her own messaging inside of her and I just I love that I love that I I think when I when I was deciding what publishing I should go with I really had to ask myself the question what am I trying to do yeah. because I felt like. If I was looking for somebody who I wanted a long distance relationship with, then destiny would have been ideal for me. Yeah. I knew for me, I wanted to try it one time, Do get it out there, see if it worked for me and do it with just a, a publishing house that everybody kind of knew. And it yeah. would give me a, somewhat of a credibility. I don't know if it actually did that. I'm just being honest. And I think I can be humble enough to say, I'm not sure that any of that happened. I think- I would
1: say, I will interrupt you on that one. I will interrupt <laughs> the podcast host here. And I'll tell you, <laughs> honestly I, I do believe it did because one of the things that the Lord is doing and this is not for everybody I mean what you you hit the nail on the head um, there's times and God is sovereign God is sovereign in the sense there are times for people to for a lack of a better word shine and one of the things havilah that I respect and admire about you and this is what I enjoyed about our conversation is yeah. I'm I'm very well aware of who our metron is, who our sphere of influence is at Destiny Image. I see what the Lord is doing through you and your ministry, even, even your book, a book on spiritual warfare. But you didn't go, um, you didn't use heavy charismatic language on that subject. What it does right. is I think it brings that and it helps it make make a message like that more palatable, receivable to a wider evangelical audience. So that maybe one day somebody who's reading your book who would never. Read one of our Destiny Image books, but maybe one day because you introduce them to those concepts, they will read one of our books in the future. You know, it's one that's of those right. things where we all have a valuable part to play in the spiritual maturity of the people. What did Paul say? He said, "You know what? There are some who plant, there are some who water, and there are yeah. some who reap a harvest." So you know, yeah, do we have friendly competition in the book publishing world? We we do, and I I'm always looking at what everybody else is doing. Is you know that's just what we do. But at this at the end of the day, I do realize that we all have a unique part to play in the releasing of God's messages. So anyway, I apologize for interrupting you, but I I think your book has done that, um, really helped give you that.
0: And that's what I really love about you, Larry, is that you have enough wisdom to know Like you're a big picture person. I mean, that's when I talk to you, I'm like, oh, you see the big picture, and I think what I love most about it is you're not just trying to get everyone's book; you're trying to make sure that the the message that needs to go out into the world gets out there. And I just I, I sense that, and I think that's one of the things that I most respect about you is just that you have. It doesn't feel like you're. I think what they say is like you're not thirsty. You're you're actually just want God to do what He needs to do on the earth, or wants to on the earth, and you're available. Now I'm curious. This is like yes. such a, a hard segue, but I've been writing um, my course on how to write a book, which isn't launched yet. It's coming out. But one of the chapters I'm talking about how you title your book. And I was doing that research where there was that, I don't have it in front of me, but it was a guy who was really uh, started to figure out why books sell and the author, like uh, the title of the book. And he had you know, sold, he said he had like this this idea that he wanted to sell 15,000 or 50,000 a year. And if it didn't, he would retitle the book and then put it uh-huh. out there again. <laughs> and he would change it. What do you think about that? Have you ever, do you guys do that at all?
1: Y- yes. Uh, uh, so that's a little bit of a loaded <laughs> question. And it's interesting. I know. <laughs> but you, you and I might need to have a whole side conversation because I'm, I'm in the process of kind of doing a course as well, which the good news yeah. is they really complement each other. You're doing about writing. I'm doing about what to do, taking the next step after you've written a book. Oh, um,
0: that's awesome. Um, yes. just,
1: just tackling some of these same things. So I'll, I'll just give you what I know um, with, with, with titling. I think one of the most important things is sometimes, particularly in the more millennial generation, we have a tendency to want to sound hip, cool, maybe overly intriguing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I get so many interesting titles where you can tell God bless them. They're, they're so passionate about this and they think it's just the coolest thing. And it is, there's this, there's this, Attempt to be hip and attempt to be relevant and that type of thing. Um, And I do believe that there there is room for an intriguing type of title, don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, when people are buying books, they are actually shopping for solutions. That is what I always tell people. When they are looking to buy a book, they are shopping for a solution to a problem and your title and your cover, and yes, the clarifying subtitle, need to tell people what solution they're going to get out of this book. You can have the coolest, flashiest, seemingly hippest title imaginable. And you know what? You can actually do a poll on Facebook. You can do a poll on Instagram and you'll have all of your friends say, oh man, that's awesome. And that's cool. This is really honest. One of the reasons I still strongly advocate for the traditional publisher. Our, our goal and our objective is not, well, let's just print your book and release it and, you know, see it, send you, send you packing on your way with a book. That's not it. I want to do whatever I can to help serve the author and communicate the message in the most effective way. And one of those things is, yeah, people do judge a book by its cover. Now they judge, I mean... Back in the day, back in the day, Have I'm, I'm feeling old but <laughs> you go to the bookstore. you know what people do people still do. They go to the bookstores to browse. It's very hard to browse online. It's very hard to browse digitally. Um, you kind of need to know what you're looking for when you're going yeah. online. but you I, I still love going to the Barnes and Noble or the different bookstores and kind of browsing through but back in the day, um, people could you know flip through the book they could think about it when, when that was the primary outlet to purchase books now, people are scrolling, not even just on a computer, they're scrolling on a device or smartphone. And one of the things that we've learned is that when they see your title, when they see the cover, when they are introduced to any aspect of that book, it needs to really show them and help them figure out how is this book going to help me solve whatever problem I'm going for. And that's why I encourage people, listen, when you go after a message, please, 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 um, don't go for the widest, most general audience possible. When I, get a, when I get a book proposal and we ask the question, who is your target market? Who is your target audience? When I see somebody who says, everybody, the whole world, the planet, mm-hmm. and if there's other inhabited planets, those people too. It's like, no, no, it's not that at all. Please just tone it down, figure out the niche because I guarantee you, even though it may seem like a small amount of people or a smaller community, there's more people in that niche in that smaller community than you think. And if all of those people, one fraction of those people got a hold of your book to help them solve solve whatever specific problem they're dealing with, then they'll be better for it. But yet when it comes to title, don't get overly, you know, I know it sounds strange, but don't be overly creative. Don't be overly edgy. Yes. Have some edge, have some intrigue. We obviously see a lot of those books blaring at us. I mean, some of the titles I don't even want to repeat on the podcast um, (laughs) that we see in the uh, Target or the airport bookstores. So they they sell through shock value um, and there's appropriate shock value. But at the end of the day, whether it's a subtitle, whether it's something right there in the potential buyer, in the potential reader space, they need to know how is this going to benefit me and how is it going to That's solve right. my problem.
0: I love that, Larry. Well said. And I I totally agree. Um, I'm curious. We have a few minutes left. Um, What, okay, someone's listening to you and they're like, I have a book and I want to submit it. And, you know, what do you recommend for our audience now that they've heard you and they, they might feel a little bit of a excitement of, oh, I want to get a hold of Larry, but I don't want to bombard you. How, what's the best way for them to reach out to you?
1: Well, you know what? Um, my website is lawrencesparks.com. It's my full name, lawrencesparks.com, and I believe it's September twentieth is when I'm going to have this course available. And awesome. again, this is going to help people. Again, I- I'm so grateful that folks like you, Havila, are writing, are developing something about how to write a book. This is basically how to take what you've written and. Make sure that you know how to market it. Make sure that you know how to present it to a publisher. I basically took our book proposal that we have for Destiny Image and I walk the I walk the person who's going through the course through the book proposal, how to create a book proposal that when you present it to a publishing house or publisher, they'll actually notice it. It's brilliant.
0: It. And so, we definitely need that. I, I will not be covering too much of that in my course. So that'd be an excellent addition. Do you have a name for that yet?
1: Uh, yes, it's called the one page publishing plan. That's the awesome. goal. I want to be able page
0: pub- I love it.
1: Yeah. We're going to give a PDF thing. And the goal is after you go through all the sessions, you'll be able to take that one page, simplify as much as possible, put your data on there, have the information, and then you'll be able to take that and you'll be armed and dangerous for any pitch or presentation you make either to a publisher or you'll be able to help figure out, okay, is self-publishing right for me? Cause I know Havala, you've done both traditional publishing and yeah. self-publishing i've done a little bit of both there's advantages pros and cons to both so yeah, I, I, like, like you're saying i never want to try to hoard everybody be like ah, everybody published with destiny because that's just <laughs> goofy and, and not everybody's book is a fit um so I, I will say this one last thing if this is all right um because yes. i do want to encourage the people there, there's some folks out there who it's like oh, i have a book but um I don't know if it's meant to go out to the nations. I don't know if it's meant to go to a big publishing house, but I have something I feel called to write. I remember in the middle of a meeting when I was doing a teaching and a training on writing, the Lord spoke to me and he said, tell people that, you know what? There's books inside of them. They may not be for the nations, but the books actually might be for their bloodline. Their yep. books actually yep. might need to be released for the sake of generations yet to come to actually, your family, family members, I your children. I believe that. People in proximity who will be able to review and to read your written record of your testimony of what God has done in your life or the, you know, the intel and the information and the wisdom he gave to you. So let's not all, I, I know we live in such a generation where it's like, oh, yeah, let's go to the nations, let's go change the world. And you know what? Yes, you're changing the world. But what if that message hits and impacts, you know, your grandchild or your great grandchild? And that's the person where that book catalyzes something in them to go change the world. So don't, never feel ashamed to be um, more specific in the objective of your book. You know, it's not just always for mass consumption, Barnes and Noble, going out to the world might just be for your family. And that is a, that is a high cause there.
0: I totally agree. In fact, you said it way more articulate than I would be able to, but I do believe I I always, every time I sit down to write a book, I I really have the, the premise is this is for my kids. If anybody yeah. else reads it, that's awesome. Thank like you. that's literally how I just because then I can give myself to it. It feels worthy and valuable. Um and that's it. And then if anybody else gets a hold of it, that's awesome, but I it's not it's not, I'm not going to rise or fall if anybody reads it or not. It's, it's more important that I get it out and document it for my life and for what I feel like was on my, in my world. And it's the testimony, right? That revelations, we defeat the enemy by our testimonies. It's the writing of our testimony. That's really profound. Again, that's not for our, you know, (laughs) young, uh, you know, Fiction writers or anything like that, yeah, but this is yeah. for the the nonfiction writers. So, Larry, lastly, I know we've got a few minutes left, but is there right. anything else that you think anybody needs to think about before we go in terms of publishing as a publisher that they need to get, they need to like know if there's one thing you were going to tell them?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I will say this because I got to a point where I was getting very frustrated because every time I told people what I did, it's like, what do you do? Well, I'm a publisher. And invariably they would tell me, I mean, I almost everybody I met, I, I am not exaggerating would say, You know, I've got a book, I have a book right? <laughs> yes. And I actually got aggravated with the Lord. I said, God, I don't like this. Are people just mm-hmm. being opportunistic? And the Lord said, no, they're not being opportunistic. What happens is this, when they come into proximity with somebody who has strategy for their next step, something mm. comes alive inside of them. And, wow. um, and it's one of those things where, you know, the Bible talks about that the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Now, I know there's many different ways that will happen. I believe one of those ways that the earth is filled with the glory of God, and you actually, you, you, you gave perfect expression to that, is through the testimony. I believe when as many people as possible are sharing and writing their testimony, and I'm not talking about just writing books that are autobiographical in nature. In fact, please don't go in that direction. Um, And and the only reason I say that is when people, I guess this will be my tip, um, when people want to write their first book, one of their strongest temptations is to write an autobiography. And the reality mm. is this: I, I tell people nobody really cares about Larry. Yeah, you know, that's that's me. I mean, you know, well, oh, Larry, yes, they do. Well, now people read autobiographies or biographies about people like Winston Churchill or yeah. you know, big people like that, who Billy Graham. But when it comes to your story, don't mute it, don't dilute it. Still share your stories and your testimonies. Just provide teaching and mentoring alongside of those things, because people actually need to be walked through your breakthroughs and your revelation and your insight and your wisdom, they need to be walked through that and actually recognize that they can apply those principles to their life as well. So that is one of the great tips I would say for people who are in the process of writing specifically your first book. Uh, Don't just make it your autobiography. Take the stories, take the experiences you've had and the wisdom you've received. Couple that with sound transferable, teaching. And like I said, I believe as we do this, as everybody in whatever context they can shares and writes and releases their story, whether it's through books or through blogs or through any media that we have now available, that is one of the ways that the earth is filled with the glory of God. Because imagine you've got thousands, maybe millions of people constantly sharing, talking, and writing about the wonderful works of the Lord. So.
0: I love that. Larry, you are a leader and you are just a gift to our generation. I love, I love your thoughts. I feel like we could have three of these podcasts and I doubt we would scratch the surface of what (laughs) God is saying to you, but, um, thank you for being here. I just know your time is so valuable and just to give our community the insight to even talk to a publisher, this might be as close as they ever get. So Larry, thank you so much. I can't wait to see what God does in and through you and the ministry of destiny.
1: It's a joy and an honor. Anytime, Havilah. Thank you.
0: And also we'll make sure, and those of you that are listening to this podcast, we'll make sure and get his course out there for you guys to know when it's available and how to get it. So make sure you stick around with us uh, on our socials and we'll make sure maybe we'll even do a giveaway and try to give away one of your courses to our community. That might be super cool too. Um, Anyway. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Is that a yes? Did I get an official yes? No, (laughs) I would say have a
1: look like we're in this together and you're going to help them write it and I will do whatever I can to help them uh, get it published. So I, I think it's a beautiful partnership there, So
0: yes. Oh my gosh, me too. You guys, thanks for listening to Home with Havilah. Next week, we'll have another author on, so uh, don't miss out. Love you guys, give us a shout out on the socials so we know that you listened to this and you enjoyed it. I'll see you next time.